Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's that time again. It is that time. That's right. It's that time. Whatever it's, time it is that you're opening and listening to it, it's that time again. It's Wednesday. Is it though? It's Wednesday, August 23rd. Oh. 2023. Kobe Bryant's birthday. Is it? Rest in peace. Ooh. Yeah. He was pretty phenomenal. I think, I mean, so there was always the stats between him, LeBron, and Michael. And I don't know, man. Kobe seems to be top dog. Although... Michael would disagree with that. I'm sure his documentary too would disagree with that. He, yes, I agree. I, I LeBron's never moved the needle for me. Like the guy's phenomenal. That's fine. Whatever. But cause he's bombastic. He's bombastic. And I feel like that carries over to his play too. Like the highlights of him are the breakaway, like slam dunk, like, yeah, you know, flexing or chasing the guy down and swatting the ball off the backboard versus Kobe had the finesse and like, was just an artist. I, I don't look at LeBron and think that he's an artist. Artist. I appreciate that. I think LeBron's appeal is what the owners want. He gets views. Yeah. So say what you will about him. Like the dude's a, a phenom. Dude, I, I'll readily admit LeBron would beat me in one-on-one. Really? Yeah. You think so? I'll publicly admit that. <laughs> yeah. You are so humble, Pastor PJ. Thanks. Dude, how do you do it? I just try. And you just it try? It comes naturally. <laughs> Be even more humble to say you don't even drive. It just, it just happens, bro. It just, it just happens. It just happens. I just wake up this way. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get into Psalm 119 as we're going to finish off let's Psalm 119. I feel like, again, it's just in, in the balance on sections of 105 to 176. It's like, here's 71 verses. I'm going to use AI to help, to help us write our next Bible reading plan. I'm going to say, give us a plan that is equal reading every day. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. And then we'll disperse it to everybody for the next year. Okay. Wouldn't that be interesting? It would be interesting to see what it comes up with. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. I trust you will. Hey, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, 105 is probably one of the most famous verses in the entirety of the book of Psalms, which Mm. is your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Unto my path. Yes. Seeds family worship. Yep. And like a million other people. Uh, True. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's have uh, to do with nuns with nuns. <laughs> None. Nice. The Hebrew alphabet letter there. None. Oh. Noon, Noon, if you will. That's right. That's yeah. how I would say it. Um, which is the right way. Yeah. Because it's your way. That's right. There's that humility coming through from you. That's right. Time. You don't have to try. Yeah. I do. This is the world's <laughs> most humble podcast. That's right. <laughs> well, stay uh, focused, Pastor PJ. Remember, task. lean in me. That's what we're, going, we're trying to do with these things. No, but the other day with, uh, with my kids for our daily Bible time, which we have in the mornings together before uh, school starts, we meet together and just keep it somewhat simple. I mean, we've got a broad age range there from six years old all the way up through 14. So I'll typically grab one or two verses. And this was the verse that we landed on the other day as a family, just to talk about what does it mean that God's word is a lamp and a light. And this is one, you know, parents, dads, 
listening out there that's pretty accessible for your kids, they understand what light does. And uh, it's a great object lesson to talk to them about how when you're walking uh, along a dark path, you want to have a flashlight. And that flashlight, where do you point the flashlight? You don't point it up at the trees. You point it down on the path so that you can see where you're walking. Makes sense. And uh, and that's what God's word does for us. It, it keeps us on the straight and narrow and helps us to walk in accordance with God. what God wants us to do. It reveals what God wants from us. So uh, Psalm 118, 105, familiar, but but really good there. In the rest of noon, he's uh, resolving, no matter the, the circumstances, to hold fast to the law. I hold my life in my hand continually, meaning, man, my life is in danger all the time. And yet, I am going to not forget your law, and I am not going to stray from your precepts. I incline my heart to them forever to the end, verse 112. And so just that resolve to continued obedience. Um, continuing on there, he uh, hits a theme that we'll pick up again on as the Psalm 119 comes to a close, but uh, uphold me according to your promise that I may live. Okay, so just tuck that away because this idea of life in the word is going to be repeated specifically right towards the end of this section in Psalm 119. But in uh, in Ayan, which is uh, 121 through 128, uh, the psalmist has a, a resolve to remain loyal even as those around him do not. Uh, look at verse 126. It's time for the Lord to act for your law has been broken. That, that resonates. Lord, just so you know, it's that time. Right. It's judgment o'clock. Right. Please get to work. Right. And that's, that's a common theme in the scriptures. Habakkuk did that. Habakkuk stood up and said, God, what are you doing? Come come fix what's going wrong here. And we might be tempted to do that too, right? I mean, look around our nation right now. Look around our, our headlines right now. I mean, there's scare, fear-mongering about new strains of COVID that are out there. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, the, are aliens out there with UAPs. And, you know, then there's just the horrific things that you read about in the news that just send chills down your spine and the evil that's celebrating. You just, you want to say, okay, God, it's time to act. Yep. And, uh, and yet the psalmist says, therefore, which is an interesting follow-up to that. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, even fine gold. And what the psalmist is saying there is, should the world go astray, I'm going to hold fast. Everyone else may be abandoning the word, but I'm going to hold fast to the word of God. Yeah, that one stuck out to me too. Those therefores really caused me to pause and say, hmm, what's what's going on there? I, I really like the way that the CSB translates this. Um, 127, they, they translate it this way. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, Verse 28, I carefully follow all your precepts. Hmm. So one of the things that you can't see in the English that you could see in, in the Hebrew is that the, the word that connects these things has a bit of flexibility. It yep. could mean this or that. And so the ESV translators have, and they typically do this, they're very conservative in their approach. They don't want to say more than what's there or less. And so if they're going to err on the side of anything, they're going to err on the side of a very wooden translation, which really puts it in your shoes, your feet to say, okay, figure out what this is meaning to say. But CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, really appreciate that yeah. translation. Great translation. Yeah, well, when we, when we move into 129 through 136, we're in pay. 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 Not name your kids that. I knew a guy P. named Peng. Yeah. Yeah, Peng. Peng. Yeah, but this is pay. Oh. Yeah, yeah so it's different. I see that. But 130 uh, repeats kind of the theme of 105, that the, the word gives light, the unfolding of your words. I like that imagery there that the psalmist used. As the, the word of the Lord is unfolded to us, it gives us light and imparts understanding to the simple and then look at verse 33, 133. It keeps, he says, keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Oh, I like that. Here's what that means, y'all. It means as we study the word, it produces holiness in our lives. That if we want godliness, that 
God's word is a key component of that, that as we study the word, it protects us from the dominion, the power, the rule, the reign of sin in our lives. And that goes back to the beginning of Psalm 119, where the psalmist said, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? I've treasured up your commandments in my heart that I might not sin against you. So here we see a repeated theme there as well. Sounds like Paul too in the Romans, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I don't want anything to have dominion over me. I don't want to be dominated by anything. Yep. I have freedom in the Lord. Yep. Yeah, look at 136. Uh, this is convicting to me, but it says, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Are we more angered that we see the evil and wickedness out there and there's a righteous indignation or are we are our hearts broken for those that are breaking the law but also for God whose law is being broken right now? And I think the psalmist's tenderness to uh, a desire to see everyone keep the word. And I think because of his passion and his zeal for the holiness of God, is it comes through there in 136. He goes there in, in 139. He says, my, my zeal consumes me because my foes can, fi- can forget your words. So again, building on that same concept there. Your promise is well tried. I like that in 140. Nothing's going to cause it to fail. Your promise, your word, your truth has been well tried and your servant loves it. And then 144, give me understanding that I might live that I might live. So then we move into to Kof. Is that how you'd say that, Pastor Rod? Or I cough? Co- yeah, cough. 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 Coffee. <laughs> like you're from Boston and you coffee. need some coffee. Coffee. Cough. Give me some cough. Cough. <laughs> Anyways, coffee. look at 148. My eyes awake before the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promise. That's a target for us right there. Mm. That we're so eager to get out of bed because we want to just be in the word. Bed. That's awesome. Well, I like 147, uh, I rise before the dawn, right? I, yep. I cry for help. So I, both of those verses obviously are speaking toward a time element, which is why I think, and it's an unpopular, it's an unpopular opinion. I'm going to throw it out there. I think the godliest time of the day is the morning. Yikes. I, I'm just saying, I, I just, there's little, it's quiet. There is a peace about the morning that you cannot get in the night. It just feels different. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there, there's nowhere in scripture that's, that commands us to a particular time for our DBR or our quiet time. That's right. I, I do mine in the morning. It's when I, I'm with you. I, the house is quiet. I enjoy that time. Nobody else is awake at that time. It's just me and the, the Bible and, and my dog. But um, Maverick. Maverick. But you know, I was talking to my son about this the other day because he was like, man, dad, since school started and DBR and everything else, it's, it's, it's hard. And I said, well, you know, you know, shifting it to the night, there's nothing unbiblical or ungodly about doing it at night. But here's what I would say. And this is what I told him too. One of the benefits to do it in the morning or at night, either way is there should be something we're meditating on throughout the day. And that's mm-hmm. a benefit of having it in the morning mm, Okay, is you're taking thoughts from the scriptures with you throughout the day that you can then turn over in your mind and, that makes and sense. you're doing that throughout the day. So maybe you're a person that does it at night. That's fine. But then be intentional to write down a thought or two or put something on your phone that when you get up in the morning, you're going to have that that thought, that seed thought that's going to carry with you throughout the day from the previous day's DBR. And then that night, you're going back into the word, you're going to think of something for the next day. So yeah, there's no hard, fast rule, morning or evening. But the key point is make sure you're meditating on the word of God and taking something with you. If I could just add one thing, Pastor PG, I would say one of the things I've counseled my high school students and junior high students when I was overseeing them is to give God your first and best. Yep. So if your first and best attention and energy is at night, then great, do it at night and yeah. do what Pastor PJ is saying. Make sure you prepare yourself for the next day. But if it's the morning, which is typically the case for most of us, give God your first and best then. Yeah, yeah, that's a good principle too. Yeah, well, Raish, which is uh, the next one, 153 through 160, this is where we see the give me life, give me life, give me life. He repeats it three times there, 154, 156, and 160, or 159 there. 
and and there's the this concept of life in the word and and is this physical life is this uh, deliverance is this spiritual life what, what is this and I, yes I, yes <laughs> exactly that's what i was going to say yes it's all of it right the word is the source of all of those things and there's we'll get into this in the proverbs when we get into the book of proverbs can't but wait there's practical the proverbs life preserving wisdom to be found in the word that there are benefits in long life meaning length of years here on earth to be found if we are faithful to the word a hundred percent of the time does that hold true no but it's a general principle that we can hold fast to it's like yeah do you, when you eat your vegetables are you going to experience better health yes is that true all the time no right but by and large that's how god's designed the world to work right 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 uh let's move to uh, sin and shin Ooh, sin yeah they call the letter of the hebrew alphabet sin 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 and shin same letter justify just- that um, different uh, vowel pointing. It doesn't mean sin. It's Hebrew. It says sin. <laughs> yes, but it's not. It's not the English All word right. for Whatever it. Whatever you say, it's a Dr. Letter. PJ. It's a letter. But look at 167. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Mm-hmm. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. There's an accountability that we have as we study the word to live it out because we are living before an omniscient God. We are accountable before him to how we handle his word. And then Tav uh, ends it, or Tau as uh, That's how I said you it. may have heard it, Tao. Um, ends it with uh, just a, a, a praise. My lips will pour forth praise for you. Teach me your statutes. So Psalm 119. Man, the longest song in the Bible, a love song about the Bible. About the Bible. Interesting. In the middle of the Bible. In, in the direct middle of the Bible, right? Yep. Just about. Yeah. It's almost like it was planned that way. Wow. Almost. All right. Well, hey, First Corinthians. And again, we gave you kind of a heads up, parents, last time, but uh, we'll reiterate that again right now. This is, uh, this is, this is zesty. This is zesty. This is, uh, this is rated, not E for explicit, but maybe, uh, what's that, or PG, parental uh, guidance suggested? PG, I would say PG 13 almost. PG 13, yeah. yeah. This is, this is messy. Yeah. Uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and part of the ri- reason he's writing is to address some problems. And this is a massive problem that they have in the church there. I'd say so. Yeah. That's it, fair. He, uh, he calls them out for basically an incestuous relationship between a, a man and his father's wife. Now, we're not clear. not his mom. Right. Well, it, maybe it was. It, we're, we're not clear. It doesn't say specifically mm. there. It could have been. It could have been a, a second marriage situation. Right. Who knows the situation there? Could have been a stepmom is what you're saying. Yeah, it was messy. No matter what, it was messy. And it was wrong. And Paul calls them out and says, even the Gentiles look at this and would say, this is wrong. This right. is messed up. What are you doing? And then he says, and instead, rather than mourning, you're arrogant. Arrogant, what does that mean? Well, they're probably boasting over their except their, their tolerance of this person. Like, Sounds familiar. Like, hey, look, you're welcome here. You, you don't have to change. Like, just come. It's all come great. As you right? are, come as, as you are. are. Yeah, and so that's a, that's a message that floods a lot of our churches today. And, and Paul Some says- never change. Right. Paul says, you, be, you should be mourning. Your heart should be broken over this. And then there's this line where he says, Ooh. you in discipline need to deliver this man to Satan. Whoa, what? Verse five. Yeah. What? How do you do that? Right. How do you do that? Well, you put him out of the church. I mean, that's, that's what Paul has in mind here predominantly. Deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. So what does this mean? Well, is Paul saying that this guy is saved? No, I don't think he's saying he's saved. I think he's saying this putting him out of the church, delivering him to Satan is, is confirming with, with the church and to him that, hey, we, we think that you are a false convert if you're a professing believer to begin with. We think that this is wrong. This is the the final step of the Matthew 18 church discipline situation. You're excommunicated from the the, the fellowship. And the reason here is twofold. Number one is it's to protect the church, but number two, it's to 
to see the restoration of, of the sinner, to see that the sinner come to true faith and repentance in Christ. That's what we're always after throughout the whole entirety of the process of church discipline. And so that's what he means here, the destruction of the flesh. It's not that he would die physically, but that he would have his flesh, his sinful nature destroyed so that he might then be saved on the day of the Lord. So Paul's saying it's a grace to him to discipline him out of the church in order that someday he might come to salvation. So you're of the opinion that this guy's clearly not a believer in verse five. That, that's my understanding. Is there any room in this to say, well, maybe we, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We don't, we don't know because yeah, it yeah. seems like Paul's giving room for that at least to put the possibility of it in the second half of verse five. Yeah, although I don't think the church was was in a position, I don't think he was setting them up to lead to his death when it says right. deliver him over to Satan that his flesh might be destroyed. I don't think Paul is saying you guys are an instrument in his ultimate physical destruction yes. so that then he's going to go to, to heaven because his spirit will be saved. Well, but then in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul does that exact thing where he does say, hey, God's killed. He's Some of you are sick and some of you have even perished because you took the communion cup. Uh, the communion supper unworthily. Right. So God has killed people. Right. Could this not be a similar situation where the guy is in fact killed so that his soul might be saved? It, it could it? Yeah. I, I think because the church is participating in this though, because that is that's God executing judgment, right? right? That's that's God acting. This is not the church acting. I think he's he's calling for the church. Clearly, if nothing else, this man needs to be get out of your fellowship. And yes. I think if we look at Matthew 18, you're really only putting someone out of fellowship when you're making uh, the, the judgment call as the church that this person is not a believer. Treat them as a tax collector and a Gentile, right? Which in the context of Matthew 18, granted it wasn't the local church, but would have clearly told the Jewish people, treat them as somebody that's not part of the people of God. Mm, they're a okay. Gentile and they're a tax collector. They're outside of the community. And so here, because Paul is in exhorting the church to put this man outside of fellowship, get him out of the church, I think he's he's saying this man is is not a believer. That would be my take on it. I think it's a good take. It's a fair one too. And I think one of the things that we should walk away with is that church discipline is ultimately redemptive. Yeah, It's meant to have a positive effect on both the body of believers and even the one who is being disciplined. Yeah, uh, Delivery to Satan doesn't sound beautiful and it's not, but that's the intention of it. It's meant to be serious and understood as, again, ultimately redemptive for the church and even for the guy who's being disciplined or gal. Right, right. And, and something that's important, he goes on in the rest of the chapter to kind of talk a little bit more about church discipline. He's saying, so that are we supposed to abstain from fellowship with anybody who is a sexually immoral person or anybody who's worldly? What about missions? Well, he's not talking about that. He's talking about somebody who's in the church professing to be a believer and, and yet they're continuing in this ongoing pattern of sin. You need to abstain completely from that person. And I think that's something that we struggle with with church discipline. It's like, okay, we've put this person out of the church, and but they've been a, a, a key component of my life or I've gotten to know them or they've been been a good friend of mine or they're a good family friend. So uh, am I not allowed to have them over for dinner? Am I not allowed to engage with them anymore? Am I not allowed to talk with them anymore? What do, what do I do here? And I think the instructions are, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what we're saying here. You, and, and that may sound harsh, but the, the point is we're trying to communicate something to the person to get them to understand the gravity of the situation. And it does them no favors for you to continue operating just like you always have with them and to allow them to un go on under the assumption that, that everything's copacetic between you and them when really what we're trying to get them to understand is you've got a massive issue here, which is your sin is revealing you're not in Christ. And so for you to continue to carry on with you know Uncle Joe, uh, or a, and this sometimes it is family members, right? For you to continue on with this person as though nothing has changed is is out of step with what we're trying to accomplish, which is to get them to feel the weight of their sin, the consequence of their sin, and to come back to Christ. 
And again, it's redemptive. It's yes. meant to be helpful to the person. It's a prejudgment for judgment. Yes. It's essentially showing them, look, what you're doing is cutting off your relationship with the Lord and all of his people in order to pursue your sin, whatever that may be. So as harsh as this feels, it's no different than what we would do for our own kids. Right. We would discipline them for their good. We all do this. It's just that when God does it, we need tangible, experiential ways to understand it. And this is one of the ways that he's chosen to do it and is so wise for him to do it this way. Yep. Yeah. One pastor once said, um, church discipline, not to this level, but church discipline just in general should always be happening within the context of a healthy church, that there should always be an involvement in each other's lives where we are caring about each other's godliness. And at least that Galatians six kind of first step of confronting a brother who's caught in a trespass, that, that sort of church discipline should be a mark of a healthy church that we care about each other to your point, Pastor Rod, enough that we're always about the restoration of the brother, whether that's a restoration in fellowship or whether that's a restoration of saying, Hey, we don't think you've ever even been brought into fellowship and we care about you enough to carry this to the, the ultimate extent. Can you talk really quickly, really quickly, Pastor PJ? Really fast. Super fast. Super fast. To parents with kids who are unbelievers and they're, and they're antagonistic toward the church. Give some brief counsel. This is not, we're not disfellowshipping them, okay? Because they're not within the church. This is somebody in the church professing to be a believer that does not want to repent from sin, okay? That's, that's step number one. Step number two, they're antagonistic from the church. Your greatest weapon with them is not apologetics. Your greatest weapon with them is not coming in and you know, trying a different approach or giving them this sermon or that sermon, your greatest weapon against their antagonism is prayer. Your greatest weapon is going to the Lord and begging for their soul and in, in recruiting other people to do the same thing in concert then with all those other things, continually putting the gospel before them. And hopefully they, they know it because you've been there with them time and time again. Yeah. Giving them the apologetic resource so that they have a different approach or a different thought. And maybe that's going to be what God uses to open their eyes. But listen, if you want to see them humbled, the greatest thing that you can do is continually day after day, plead with the Lord for their soul. Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining in for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. And we'll catch you again tomorrow. That's the mañana. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm-hmm.